A month to the day after declaring for the NBA draft, Kevin McCuller enters the transfer portal four days out from the deadline. What does it mean for Texas Tech and where will he be playing basketball next season? We give our best guess coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you have subscribed to our channel. This episode actually went live a day early on YouTube, so be sure that you are subscribed over to our channel to not miss any more exclusives like that. I'm Ryan Mainville. I'm joined by Emery Lida. Today we are talking the very unexpected and breaking news of Kevin McCuller entering the transfer portal. Uh, it happened just a couple of minutes ago and we're already on the mics talking about it. So glad you've tuned in to hear our thoughts today. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Emery, March 27th, Kevin McCuller enters the NBA draft. A lot of quietness. Uh, I mean, we had the blip where he signed an agent a couple of weeks ago. Um, and and now you get this pretty massive piece of news. Um, a lot still to be determined, but this seems like a significant turn in events for Texas Tech and Kevin McCuller. Yeah, so pretty much coming into the offseason, people really didn't know what McCuller was going to do. It was speculating my into the draft. We saw that on March 27th where he released a statement that seemingly was pretty vague and obviously maintained eligibility, but it didn't necessarily say that if he that if he was coming back, he would be coming back to Tech. But then a month passed, you know, he went and started training for the draft. Obviously, he's been, I believe, up in New Jersey doing that for the last few weeks. He's been obviously hired an agent. He's gone through that process. But the closer we got to the transfer portal deadline, we hadn't heard anything about him entering the portal. And so the closer it got, the more we felt confident that it was either going to be the NBA draft or it was going to be him staying at Tech. And then just today, which when we're recording this literally less than 20 minutes ago, it was announced that he would be entering the portal. He released something there as well. And so it really kind of came as a little bit of a shock because you would have thought that he would have entered the portal earlier, given that he had already entered the draft at the all, all the way back a month ago. Um, certainly you have to wonder how that went down because obviously you would think that he's been in contact with the staff to some degree. And certainly, I mean, that's by, by all indications, he hasn't been completely shut off from tech. So there's certainly a lot to process there, but the end result is the same. I mean, it basically means that every single option is on the table for McCuller. He could go to the draft. He could come back to tech. He could go to the portal. But right now, there's just a lot of question marks. There's a lot that needs to be uncovered. But certainly, this is a process. The timing of it is a little bit of a surprise. But I think if you had told us a month ago that he would eventually enter the portal, it would not have surprised me. Yeah, so here's why the timing of this both surprises me and doesn't. Uh, you mentioned New Jersey. Uh, 
by everything I'm hearing, Kevin McCullough has been there for a month now, uh, training with his agent, getting ready for the NBA draft in communication with scouts. That's his priority. It's what he said himself, and it's apparent that way. He believes that he is a professional basketball player at this point in his career, and that is the emphasis and the route that he believes is most likely right now. Um, and, and so that kind of makes it uh, not especially surprising that it's taken this long for him to enter the transfer portal because that has been his clear emphasis these past couple of weeks, this past month, is getting ready for the NBA draft and believing that that's the next step for him to take in his college career. Um, I, I think what makes this a little bit surprising is uh, the timing. Obviously, we're four days out from the deadline to enter the transfer portal. He kind of mentioned that himself in his statement, like, hey, deadline's getting close. I want to enter and see my options. Uh, I, I do think that that indicates to some degree that maybe he's not getting the degree of feedback that he'd like. Um, and that can be very much a camp decision uh, rather than just one player that can be, you know, people in your corner, whether that be your agent or your family or whomever saying, hey, uh, we think you're this caliber of a draft prospect and you're being told that you're, you know, a 50, 60 you know, draft pick, which I think is probably where McCuller is situated right now. Um, that that kind of feedback can maybe encourage you to go seek options elsewhere. And so it's surprising to the degree that it's just really difficult to imagine Kevin McCuller playing college basketball anywhere else other than Texas Tech. But it's also not surprising. I mean, he he's had this focus for weeks now, kind of had his head down and, and been in the uh, – mindset of preparing for the NBA draft and now he's kind of at a crossroads where clock's ticking you you've got to make a decision and this is the one that he chooses for himself yeah I think you shouldn't fault him for looking for all options I certainly think that he's already been through the he's already been through the workouts and kind of been training for the draft he's had the opportunity now to sort of gather intel in that sense and obviously you're coming close to the transfer portal and if he didn't enter by May 1st he wouldn't be eligible to transfer anywhere and be eligible for next season so there's that weighing in and even if he still was in all likelihood going to return to tech there's still a lot of unknowns on tech's front by the time he makes a draft decision whether or not it's to enter the draft or which all tech could have already added two or three more scholarship players at which point McCore's outlook on the roster might be completely different than what it is now and so as a camp at looking at what McCuller has to decide, I certainly think that it's worth it's worth him putting his name in the portal. I feel like that's one of the things that as a camp and as given the feedback that he's received, whether it be internally or from other individuals, like you have to look at it from the standpoint of what does Kevin McCuller want to be as a basketball player and what does he feel like the best next step is? And unless you enter the portal, you're not going to get the full scope of that when it comes to looking at other colleges and seeing what they have out, out there for him. And certainly, I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's surprising to me the time that it happened at because I feel like this late into the process when you're already in the middle of late April and a lot of teams have already filled up their 13 scholarships that they have a lot of guys returning and other teams still have barely scratched the surface on their plans for next year. It's a little bit of that in-between game where he's not really getting the feedback of one of the early guys to get into the portal where you can kind of place your location and be a point of emphasis for these teams. And it's not really one of the situations where everything's settled. So he's kind of in the middle ground of not being an instant priority and also not being one of the first or not being there when everything's already settled. So for that, it's kind of confusing. But at the same time, I mean, 
he wants to understand kind of where he's going to fit in, regardless of if that's at Tech or elsewhere. And from a draft standpoint, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Being in that 50s range is very sketchy for a prospect. And from by all the mocks that you look at, he's anywhere from being like a 50th pick to being kind of more in the two-way range of just someone that probably won't be drafted but will command off-season interest. So it's interesting to see, but certainly I think that it's worth monitoring, and I think entering the portal isn't a total shock. Yeah, he's giving himself options, and, and it's really difficult for me to fault a guy for doing that, especially somebody like McCuller, who I think is a good player um, and who I'm also pretty low on as an NBA draft prospect. And so it's difficult for me to look at the situation and really fault him for it because I think if I was him, I'd probably be trying to do something similar. I just think you also have to ask yourself, what what is the role that he wants? Um, and, and really, I just, I, I don't, I, I scratch my head a little bit at the idea of Kevin McCuller being a full-blown point guard at a high major top 25 program. Um, I, I think we saw it last season. And I think the accounts that we've gotten from the staff and, and the noise that we've heard on who this staff is recruiting is that they're they're trying to find a guy that can run the offense. Um, and, and I don't I don't think that the Kevin McCuller experiment worked exactly as well as um, maybe he would have liked or the staff would have liked. And so uh, it, it's really a big that's a big question mark for me it is what does he want to be at his next destination? And is he going to have the freedom to do that? I don't know that that's a big, big unknown for me in this whole situation. Yeah, that's where I'm just going to be straight up and blunt and say that if you're looking at where he projects as an NBA prospect, it's not as a point guard there. If you talk to anyone in NBA circles and any of the people that kind of cover the draft for a living, pretty much all of their outlooks on McCuller are the ball handling can be a benefit as a utility based wing but at the end of the day you're not going to want him to be your primary ball handler it's just as simple as that and so for if he's playing that role in college it's not necessarily a bad thing because i mean you see that all the time where guys will play a role as a ball handler in college and then transition to a more awful role in the nba but it's certainly not going to be a direct one-to-one comparison to what his nba outlook is going to be and i'm a little bit at a loss. I and mean, if that's what he wants to do and that's what his camp wants him to do, then certainly that's his decision. And I think that there are, there are some values for him as a ball handler, but at the same time, I mean, just looking at the output from tech last year in the half court, when he's a ball handler, I think that there are major issues that he has. I think he struggles a little bit as a passer from a reach standpoint. I mean, he's, he's developed a fair bit in that sense since his freshman year, but it's still something where he's not really a, natural playmaker he also can struggle to get separation off the bounce which is something that i think you really have to have to be an elite level ball handler and you had all of those things together and it's just it's a little bit confusing and i certainly think that by all accounts tech has been recruiting guys to make sure that mcculler isn't the sole ball handler coming into next year so that's the case and if he wants to be kind of the man the main primary ball handler i just don't know if i see that being the avenue for him returning to tech Yeah, a lot of questions still going forward. Want to address some of those and maybe the consequences of this decision, but first a quick word from Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Big announcement for the first time ever. Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts on Thursday, April 28th at 6 p.m., available on Locked On NFL YouTube channel as well as the Audacity app. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Talking the decision from Kevin McCullough to enter the transfer portal, Emery, I want to address something because I think it's something that's going to that's already very, very prevalent in the way that these conversations are handled. And that's the topic of NIL. Um, and I know that we can look at a situation like this and you'll, you'll read everywhere on the internet, oh, NIL, 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 and that there's some co- sort of incorporation here. Um, here's the thing with, with this situation. Kevin McCuller made good money in Lubbock, um, had plenty of, of NIL endorsements, both from local businesses and even at the national level with people like Raising Cane's. Um, he was not short on cash. Now, if, if he thinks that he can go play basketball and be the starting point guard at Kentucky, North Carolina, who doesn't have any roster spots open, Arizona, you know, a, a big name program, Kansas, Baylor, if he thinks he can make more money there, then that would make sense as to why NIL would be a driving force here. But I really struggle to see that being kind of the main reason why he's making this decision. Because he he was making good money in Lubbock, man. I mean, he, he was the, arguably the face of the program, a guy that a lot of people clung to. Uh, a lot of businesses, when pitching deals, felt like his demeanor and his character really aligned with what they were looking for. And and I'll say this, a, a lot of these guys in Lubbock that are cutting these deals do not appreciate things like this. Um, they, they value loyalty. They want to know that their investment is a good one. And so I think this puts McCuller in a little bit of a bind. Um, and, and I think that's why this decision could pretty much dramatically decrease the likelihood that he's back in Lubbock next year. I'm not saying that if he wanted to come back, then he would be closed off. But I do think that this certainly feels like a step in the wrong direction for him returning to Texas Tech. Yeah. If First off, if you look at it purely from an NIL standpoint, if anything, him staying at Tech is probably one of the best outcomes for him from an NIL standpoint. I know that a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, 
so far in the portal, we've seen that tech has kind of been money whipped by a couple other programs, which first off is a little bit of conjecture. I certainly think what happened with Omir from Arkansas State raises a lot of question marks there. But McCuller, like you mentioned, made well last year. And certainly, I mean, he's got the deal with Canes. He's got a host of different local deals. By all accounts, he's kind of a figurehead of Texas Tech basketball. And I do think that him entering the portal is going to hurt that to some degree. But at the same time, people have short memories. It's what have you done for me lately? People forget that he entered the portal last year, obviously under different circumstances. But certainly it was something that was kind of a prevalent discussion. We've seen guys like TJ Shannon. I mean, people didn't think he was going to return from the draft until July of last year. You saw the same thing over time. You've seen that with Marcus Santos Silva entered the portal briefly last year. And even though he came back close to when Mark, Mark Adams returned, it was still after a couple of days. So, I mean, people, guys are going to do what's best for them. I certainly think that there's going to be a little bit of skepticism and obviously a little bit of bad, maybe bad taste in people's mouth based off of him deciding to go into the portal. But at the same time, I mean, for what he loses and maybe a little bit of guys just getting tired and saying like, oh, I don't like this current stage of college athletics. I don't like someone that was loyal to exploring other options. I think he gains in the flexibility. So from an NIL standpoint, I'm not too concerned about the potential losses. I don't think that's something that would have been a major sort of point of emphasis for him in making this decision, just because I feel like the flexibility is still something that you really need to keep. And if you're looking at it from other, from other programs, I can't think of anywhere else where he, where he would go, where he would be the face of the program. Like he is at tech because pretty much anywhere else doesn't have sort of, obviously his dad playing football at tech is one thing that goes in his favor. He's been the longest standing member of the program. The only person that's still left from the national title team that was on the roster, even if he didn't play, he's obviously very charismatic, obviously has a lot of kind of the character traits that align with what businesses are looking for. All of those things, you're not going to have exactly that in other areas. And so I think this is completely a basketball decision. There are some guys where you can say, yeah, the NIL is going to make a difference. I don't, first off, I don't think anyone at Tech is sort of going through that. I feel like Tech, by all accounts, Tech seems to have a good marker when it comes to NIL deals and players getting their good fair share of money from their opportunities at Tech. So I'm not too concerned about that. I think McCuller's decision is almost purely based off of basketball fit and potential opportunities. The deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft is June 13th. And I really do think that this is going to be a situation that plays out for quite a while. Um, I, I don't know if there's even a deadline to withdraw from the portal. Um, it, it's traditionally like a couple of weeks be- before class starts because you want to be be sure that you're on campus and can get enrolled in time for the fall semester. But I would be very, very surprised if this situation, whether it be Kevin McCullough announcing that he's staying in the draft, returning to Texas Tech, or going to play college basketball elsewhere, is resolved before June. I I, I really do think that this is going to play out quite a while. And and so if you're on the side of uh, being a little antsy and and wanting to know what's happening with the program, expect a lot of quiet weeks. I I really do think that that's what we're in store for here. I feel like it's going to be a... uh, very, very interesting next couple of months to watch, and I, I do believe that this will drag out quite a bit. Yeah, I'd venture to say that the McCuller decision is probably going to be one of the last dominoes that Tech has to sort of knock down over the course of this offseason because, he, had, like you mentioned, he has the NBA stuff. He's entering the portal extremely late for someone to be 
entering, like Davion Harmon, for example, who's a tag target, is someone that has been rumored to enter the portal for a while, just entered within the last couple of days. And obviously he's someone that even then, it's late for someone to be entering and not have their future kind of already set forth. I mean, you see it occasionally. You saw guys like Malachi Smith entering as well. But generally speaking, it is uncommon to see guys enter this late. And so you have that playing in. You have the fact that he's one of the fringe draft guys that are going to actually have a decision to make when it comes to saying you're coming back. Because I do think that he's draftable. I think that's sort of a notion. A lot of people are saying that he's just going for feedback. I think if he wanted to, he could stay in and at least have a two-way deal on the table, if not potentially getting drafted in the late second round. So there's that to consider. There's a lot of options for him. And so even if he withdraws from the draft, I don't think he's going to have a destination picked off in that scenario. And so you're looking at the earliest that he's making a decision coming in the middle of June. And likely once he withdraws from the draft, then he can probably fi finalize his decision. And at that point, he's going to be looking at those sort of refined rosters where you only have maybe one or two spaces left. So I mean, there's a lot that's going to go down. I think it's not just a tech thing. I think it's going to maybe limit his options a little bit when he decides where to transfer. But certainly McCuller's decision is going to be one that lasts for quite a while, I would imagine. All right, got to talk about what this will do to Texas Tech's approach to roster constructing and maybe the ways that they'll be recruiting over the next couple of weeks. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, Mark Adams and company now have a very interesting dilemma and opportunity on their hands, and that's to uh, recruit with a little bit more freedom and aggressiveness towards the guard spot. You know, traditionally, you uh, might not be telling guys in the portal, uh, if you're somebody with integrity, that they can come in and be your starting point guard. Um, that feels like an option that Texas Tech can can pitch to guys now, at least the the idea of coming in and truly competing for it. Before we get into any of the really logistics and schematic things of this, if Kevin McCuller does indeed end up uh, staying in the NBA draft or going and playing college basketball elsewhere, and I mean, we talked about this yesterday, the idea that Clarence Nadolny is probably going to be playing basketball elsewhere next year as well. You're looking at your longest tenured Red Raider being people that were on the roster last year for the first time. And so there's a dramatic decrease in experience and age, um, but especially experience within the system. Whenever you get hit like that, I mean, how do you how do you approach the portal and try to put a Band-Aid on that? Well, first off, there's one solution. You could take um, losing a guy from the 2019 team and replace him with Josh Mbala so that you technically have another longest-tenured Red Raider. But more feasibly, you just have to look for guys that have other college experience because it's not optimal to have your longest-tenured guy in the roster having a year within the system. There's no way around it, I think. We've seen guys sort of make the most out of the transfer portal. We've seen teams that have been able to construct their roster full of transfers, but it's almost unprecedented to have a team where your most experienced guy is has a year within the system. And if you look at Daniel Boccio and Malik Wilson, both of those guys transferred in from other programs. So at that point, you're looking at really none of the guys that Mark Adams or Chris Beard have recruited staying and being a part of the system from day one. So that's just a really bizarre situation to be in. 
I think, again, the, the best way to go about it, obviously you have the young talent that's coming in that's going to be nice to have, but just bringing in guys with other college experience that have played big-time games, that have experience in kind of defense-first systems or just high-level systems in general, because you're not going to get an exact sort of replacement for Kevin McCuller's experience and his sort of relationship with Mark Adams. That's going to take time to build with other guys. So for that, there's really no replacement, but I do think that you can take steps to at least make sure that your roster is composed of guys that have been on the high level stage before and have experience playing in big roles and sort of know what it takes to be a high level, high level basketball player. And then you just try to mold them to your system and hope that the roster comes along with that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's really no way around it uh, with, with this. This is a massive shakeup to your roster construction and really even the DNA within your locker room. Um, I, I know that there was a lot of talk last year about just the approach to rebuilding and, and how difficult it was. And um, certainly the job that Mark Adams did was an incredible one, especially given the roster that he uh, was left but you look at that roster I mean you still had Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon, Marcus Santos Silva, Clarence Nadolny, um, Chibuzo Agbo all those guys returning those are guys that were familiar with your program and, and guys that truly knew um, what what the program was about and how they could continue the uh, expectation and play within that program I mean if we're talking about losing Kevin McCuller in Clarence Nadolny, you've got Kevin O'Banner and then you've really got nobody else that, that played a considerable amount of minutes. I mean, Malik Wilson was ninth in the rotation last year and, and he's the guy that you're looking at as your second most experienced Red Raider. And so it's a pretty dramatic shakeup. Uh, you can certainly get older. You can certainly have a team that is competitive at the national level and that plays really good basketball, but patching those holes of experience will be virtually impossible. And you've just got to hope that you can get older and that you can land elite talent and that it ends up just falling into place for you again, like it did a little bit last year. In some ways, this would be more of a cultural rebuild than going from Chris Beard to Mark Adams. I know that's going to be a real hot take, but you look at the guys that you're losing in the portal potentially. You've got Terrence Shannon, who played over 80 games at Tech. You've got Clarence Sondonley, who played 81 games. And then you have Kevin McCuller, who played who played 78 games. So between the three of them and Adan Shibuza Agbo, that's 300 games worth of players that you're just completely losing through transfers that could have played for you next year. And with Shannon and McCuller, those are guys that have – played big minutes for three years now. Like they're all, their guys have been fixtures in the rotation, have been looked at as leaders, really kind of helped soothe the transition last year in terms of along with guys like Marcus Santos Silva. Those are guys that you had that have been in the rotation that had played important big 12 minutes and sort of bridged the gap between the new guys coming in in the Mark Adams era and sort of the old Texas Tech basketball. And now if you lose all of those guys, and like you mentioned, your most experienced guy is Kevin O'Banner, who for a long time, we weren't sure if he was coming back and had only one year at Tech before three years worth of experience at Oral Roberts. And then Miley Wilson, who played less than 500 minutes last year, it's just insanely difficult to sort of 
replace that level of experience and sort of the intensity. Like, I'm not saying that it can't be done. I don't think it's absolutely a bad thing, but I do think that this would be a rebuild unlike anything else that you've ever had. Because you've had Davide Moretti and Kyler Edwards returning for the national championship team in 2020. And certainly you could say, well, like you still lost most of that championship run rotation, but you still had a couple of guys that have been in the program for multiple years that had that level of experience. Now you're literally just talking about Kevin O'Banner in terms of rotation guys that played heavy minutes. And even O'Banner was only here for one year. It's just it's difficult to do that. It means that there's going to be a whole lot of turnover, a whole lot of kind of searching in the offseason, and it could work out. I mean, you could get really talented players. It looks like Tech has the inner track to get some of those talented players, but it's going to be difficult, and you're going to have really kind of uncertain roster when it comes to who's the leaders in the locker room, who's been here, and just kind of getting everyone integrated into, into the culture. You mentioned Davion Harmon. Probably the worst-kept secret in college basketball is – uh, his relationship with Texas Tech, assuming that uh, that ends up coming to completion and he is a Red Raider next year. Um, and God forbid, I mean, we, we're still talking about a guy that would need to get approved for a waiver. Um, it, it seems like that would be likely, but uh, I think you're kind of like clenching your cheeks whenever you think about that if you're Mark Adams. Looking at the rest of the portal, uh, does Texas Tech need to add another guard? If you don't return any of Nadolny, Shannon, and McCullough, I think so. I think you need one more guard. Certainly, it's not the end of the world if you don't get a guard, but I'm not going to feel entirely comfortable with Davion Harmon, Malik Wilson, Pop Isaacs, and then Lamar Washington. I think that that's sort of – you don't have quite the versatility there that you did last year. Oh, and Demarion Williams as well. But, like – all of those guys I don't think are quite as versatile as the guys that you had last year. So I feel like at that point, you're kind of looking for a guard wing hybrid in the portal to kind of continue on with your efforts. And another thing with Harmon as well is you don't know exactly how that waiver process is going to go. By all accounts, it seems likely that he would get a waiver. But at the same time, we know the NCAA has a history of um, being extremely sluggish and slow when it comes to waivers. So look no further than the Joel and Tomway decision and, even though it's a different era now, you have the free transfer. It's still ridiculous that some guys have to wait so long for waivers. So you don't want to have it come all the way down to that sort of decision. So hopefully it works out. But at the same time, like you have to have backup plans, plan B, plan C, in case McCuller doesn't return, in case Shannon doesn't return, and in case Harmon isn't cleared right away. Yeah, I'd say you, you need to put it pretty significant foot on the gas here and, and try and get a guard preferably a, a guy that's going to be a grad transfer or at least has considerable amount of experience playing college basketball within a meaningful program. Uh, once Antonio Reeves started visiting some of the, the blue bloods, uh, I, I think it was clear that Texas tech probably stepped out of that recruitment. He's now committed to Kentucky losing out on Tyree key really, really, really hurt. Um, it, it it was always going to be kind of an uphill battle with him and Tennessee, but you had a good shot there. Um, but as soon as he got to Knoxville, you were kind of really running uphill. Man, there's there's some guys that Texas Tech needs to pick up the phone and make a call to. I mean, we, we got Isaac Lakeely entering the portal a couple of days ago. Uh, 
from what I'm hearing, Tech still hasn't reached out to Courtney Ramey for whatever reason. I know that interconference transfers can be strange, but at this point, man, you, you got to go Joey Gallo approach here, and, and you got to swing for the home run and, and either hit one 450 feet or, or strike out. But but there's no sitting around and waiting anymore in, in terms of the situation. You, you got you got to go. You got to go. Yeah, I think that's something that we're going to cover tomorrow just in terms of looking at it because I certainly think we need to spend time looking at what Tech needs to do from a guard standpoint. But basically, you can't afford to come into this season with all of your options being a guy like Malik Wilson, Davion Harmon, Pop Isaac, and Lamar Washington. That's putting too much stress on guys that either their eligibility is going to be questionable in the case of Harmon, they don't have a lot of experience playing heavy minutes on a high major and Malik Wilson have offensive, offensively limited games. Or in the case of Isaacson and Washington, they're freshmen that haven't experienced the Big 12 grind. So you have all those things going on. You need to add another guard, guard slash wing hybrid, and you need to add preferably one that has the experience like you mentioned. But we'll see. There's still time. It's important to note that last year at this time, Tech still had, I believe, Four, four scholarships opened, and five of you count TJ who eventually came back. So there's a lot of question marks going on. There a lot that still has yet to be uncovered this off season, but certainly the guard, the guards, the guard questions and the guard position in general is going to be something that's going to take a while to evolve, and it's going to be something that you really need to get on in terms of making sure you have the inroads to get guys in the portal. On our Friday episode, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the recruiting of texas tech and just taking a look at some of the guys that they've been pursuing and could potentially land so be sure that you are subscribed to our feed wherever you get podcasts including our youtube channel for that episode got a feeling it's going to be a good one and you won't want to miss it you can also keep up with us individually on twitter you can follow me at our lbk you can follow emory at eraser 41 and you can follow the official locked on texas tech twitter page at Locked On TTU. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.